0: Well, good morning again. Um, On this last Sunday of the year, I have the privilege of sharing God's Word. Um, I'm going to ask the question that Eugene didn't want to ask, but what is the best gift uh, you've ever received for Christmas? Uh, Maybe you received a particularly special gift yesterday or or this month, or maybe you have a gift from your past that you've really, really treasured. Um, For me, it's... It's kind of a random thing, but I have a orange hoodie that my wife Julie bought for me when we were dating. And this uh, hoodie, which I should have brought, by the way, uh, to show you guys, um, is very memorable because we were just out at a mall like months before Christmas, and I was looking at this hoodie. I was, it was, it's orange, uh, which is one of the colors of my alma mater. Um, is not the... easy easy to match color, obviously, in your wardrobe, but she caught me looking at it. I just put it down and left it, Um, but I don't know. Maybe she saw the way I was looking at it, uh, and she just just noted it, and somehow uh, she doesn't drive. Somehow she went or ordered it online. I don't know. To this day, I don't know exactly how she got it, but she bought it for me, and I was very surprised when um, she handed it to me because I didn't know she saw me um, looking at it, and that she went out of the way to purchase it for me. Uh, The irony is that I don't wear it too often because I don't want it to fall apart. That's how much I I cherish it, but it's silly, right? Like if I love it, I should wear it. Um, Whenever I see it in my closet though, it's it's a reminder of my wife's um, thoughtfulness towards me. Uh, And in my opinion, the best gifts are the ones that keep on giving, right? A gift that either reminds us of the person who has given it to us, or a gift that we can enjoy for a long, long time. During this Advent, we have focused on the gifts that God gives us when Jesus comes to, when Jesus came to the world uh, thousands of years ago. And you know, you can see the, the the ornaments on the wreath next to me. But we looked at joy, peace, and hope so far, and these are gifts made available because Jesus came, uh, and not only are they made available, they will be fully experienced when Jesus comes again. And these gifts have the ability to deeply transform our lives um, when we receive them in faith and also when we use them, uh, when we use these gifts, when we desire more of them. And though it's the day after Christmas, we want to look at one more gift and it's the gift of God's love, the gift of God's love that is made available to us because Jesus came to the world. So if you have... um, Your Bibles, let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. And I'll read from verse 9 to 13. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that your, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this uh, passage, John 15, Jesus tells his disciples that he loves them in the way that God the Father loves them. God the Son. As the, Father has loved me, as the Father loved me, so have I loved you. If we have ever wondered what God's love uh, might look like, all we need to do is look at Jesus' love for his disciples. This gift of God's love is uh, this tremendous gift as, as, at a cosmic level. It's, it's a, at a supernatural scale, almost to the point of absurdity. You know, how God loves Jesus, who was perfect in every way. There was nothing he did wrong. He could do no wrong. He was perfect in every possible way, is how Jesus loves you and me. And God loves you sounds like such a basic level one truth that you can't believe you woke up early to come to Kendall Square or to to log on to YouTube to hear it. But the fact that Jesus' first coming to this world gives us direct access to the love of God should absolutely amaze us. It should actually unsettle us and unnerve us. If if that doesn't hit us, that the God of the universe, how he loves Jesus is how Jesus loves us, we have to go back to Scripture. We have to see that to be loved... um, By Jesus in the way that Jesus is loved by God means that we can know God so intimately. And all we have to do is look at the person and the life of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we want to look deeper at God's love um, in Jesus' words in John 15. And specifically, we want to look at three amazing attributes of God's love, three amazing attributes of God's love that makes a difference for you and me today. The first attribute is that God's love is a Tangible love. It's a tangible love. And all we need to do is look at Jesus' words in the Gospels um, regarding love. And I think they would surprise us. Jesus tells us that God loves the world so much that he sent his one and only son. Jesus, Jesus also tells us to love our enemies in Matthew 5. Jesus also tells us that the greatest commandments in Scripture are related to love, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. In John 15, Jesus says that he has a new commandment for his disciples, and it's the commandment to love as he loved them. And in John John 13, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. It's a task that the disciples thought they were too above doing for one another, but their rabbi, their teacher, gets on his knees to wash their feet. When Jesus talks about love, he doesn't talk about love as a feeling or an experience, right? Love is not just a feeling. For Jesus, love is always followed up with tangible actions. When God loves the world, he sends somebody. He sends the person he loves and cherishes. When God tells us to love our neighbors, he wants us to even love our enemies. When the people of God Love God, it is with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's with their entire being. When the disciples of Jesus love our neighbors, we're supposed to love them the way we would love ourselves. And before Jesus tells his disciples to love one another, he actually shows them a great example of what it looks like by washing their feet. And here we get to John 15, and it's towards the end of Jesus' time with, with his disciples. And Jesus tells them that he loved them in the way that God, his heavenly Father, loves his son. Jesus says, I loved you, past sense. It's, it's kind of surprising. It's past sense. If I can paraphrase Jesus' words, uh, it's as if he's saying, If you have ever wondered what God's love looks like, all you have to do is look at the love that I've shown you over the past three years of being together. In Jesus, we see that love takes initiative, it it leaves comfort, right? Jesus didn't have to leave the, the the next to being next to the throne of God. Love gives up privilege, love exercises patience, love is full of compassion, love corrects and disciplines when necessary, and love is even willing to suffer for others, even to the point of dying on the cross, which is what Jesus did for our salvation. And liberation. Love is never theoretical or, or abstract for God. When we think about the Advent gift of love, it is a tangible love. It's, it's a love uh, that is communicable. He, he loves us in ways that we can understand. God could have just said, I, I love you from a distance, but what does He do? He sends His very self in His Son in a tangible way. Our infinitely powerful and holy God makes himself known to us in ways that we can understand by sending Jesus to come to us to be with us and to save us a Christian comedian Michael jr who is actually really funny usually Christian comedians are really corny and not funny but he's actually very funny uh, and um, one thing that he does is that he weaves uh, truth Bible you know biblical truth and and the message of the gospel into his his jokes, and his stand-up, and he says this, using the phrase, I love you, this is not a funny funny quote, by the way, using the fr- phrase, I love you, should not be information from what you say, but confirmation of what you display. It's one thing for Jesus to say, I love you, it's a whole other thing to see that when Jesus says, I have loved you, it's backed by years, and memories, and instances of of him showing love, all the expressions of God's love through Jesus. And Jesus shares this in John 15, and he's about to go to the cross in only a couple of hours. The, the, the disciples would see that God's love is the giving of his very self, and the cross tells us that Jesus' love for us is completely undeniable. He loves us more than we could ever imagine. When we take Jesus' words, uh, saying that he loves us with the love that that God has for him, it's it's this tangible love. It's, it's It's a love that pays the costly ransom for our salvation. And we know truly, truly that he loves us. So number one, God's love is a tangible love. It's an embodied love that is backed by concrete actions. Attribute number two, the gift of God's love is an enduring love. It's an enduring love. When Jesus first came to the world in the first advent, God showed us that it's a love that is, that lasts. It's a, it's a love that is capable of sustaining us through all seasons of life. It's an enduring love. In uh, verses 10 and 11, Jesus says this, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That word remain can also be translated as abide or depend. Jesus remains, he abides, he depends upon God's love. That's how he got through his life. He he remained in God's love. He abided in God's love. He depended on God's love and How did he do that? He did it through obeying his Father's commands. And he tells us that we are able to experience God's love when we obey Jesus' commands. Remaining in in God's love allows us to experience the joy that Jesus experiences, which is a complete and perfect joy. This gift of God's love uh, through Jesus is, is this enduring love because it always produces joy. Uh, Growing up, um, I imagined Jesus to be really serious. Um, Most of, you know, the artwork or depictions of of Jesus didn't help, right? Because he always had this ambiguous face. This is actually a very famous um, depiction of Jesus. And this hung at my church youth group room, this picture of Jesus. And I can't tell. If he's happy, if he's sad, he's just serious. Uh, Other depictions, which I was worried that there were going to be kids in here, are of him in agony on the cross. But based on passages like John 15, Jesus was and is the most thoroughly joyful um, person to have ever existed. Just like we would be thrown off if we ever came across a depiction of an unhappy Santa, right? That's weird to look at. I think we should also be a little thrown off that we don't see more images, more depictions of Jesus being full of joy. And this doesn't mean that Jesus didn't have complex emotions, complex experiences, and I say that intentionally. Um, a lot of times we say negative emotions, um, negative experiences, but Jesus shows us that sadness and anger aren't necessarily negative things. They aren't human things. They are necessary things. He has these complex experiences and emotions of fatigue, anger, grief, and pain. It's it's in Scripture. Jesus experiences these things, but somehow he is able to say that he has joy and he wants to give it to us and that he wants that joy to be made complete, to be made perfect in us. As someone who remained in God's love perfectly and experienced complete joy in the Father, Jesus would have definitely experience joy internally, right? Maybe in that depiction he's like super happy but his face is super serious. But I want, I want to believe that Jesus laughed a lot while he was on earth. That he smiled a lot. And I think we need to imagine a more accurate and captivating picture of, of who Jesus is based on passages like John 15. Jesus gives us this key to experiencing the joy that, uh, that he experiences with God, and it is through remaining, abiding, and depending on Jesus' love for us. is knowing that Jesus' love is capable of sustaining us even in the darkest and most difficult seasons of our lives because we know that God sustained Jesus even as he went to the cross, even in his most dark, most difficult times of his life. It is trusting against our doubts and lies that Jesus loves us more than we could ever imagine, even those untouchable areas in our lives, those hidden corners in our hearts that make us feel so unlovable, that make us feel unworthy of love. Uh, Pastor and author Tim Keller, he writes this, the only love that won't disappoint you is the one that can't change that can't be lost, that is not based on the ups and downs of life or based on how well you live. It is something that not even death can take away from you. And he says this very plainly, God's love is the only thing like that. That God allows us to experience his love through his son Jesus with this enduring love that can sustain us no matter what is going on, no matter what the world might declare about our lovability, this is the type of love that we need. When we grow in remaining in his love, when we have this ever-growing track record of God's grace and goodness and kindness expressed through his love for us, we will have story after story, testimony after testimony of the full spectrum of God's love. Love that is perfectly gentle, in the right moment and yet somehow perfectly tough in another. Love that knows how to heal our wounds and love that also knows when our pride needs to be broken. Love that patiently absorbs hatred in one moment and somehow also knows how to be actively um, pursuing injustice or hating injustice and, and fighting against oppression in, in other people, and so much more. God's love is, the full spectrum of God's love is so vast. And I don't know about you, but remaining in God's love is not easy for me because it means that I need to go at God's pace. I need to be led by God. And so much of our lives, even the way that we design our own lives, is, is oriented tor- towards doing things the way we want uh, when we want, where we want, you know, how we want, with who we want. But when we go at God's pace, when we surrender ourselves to him and, and allow him to lead us, that's how we're going to fully experience the gift of God's love through Jesus. Uh, Henry Nouwen, which is an author that I, I love, I know Pastor Linda uh, loves him a lot, he, he writes this, if we could just be, For a few minutes each day, just be fully where we are, we would indeed discover that we are not alone and that the one who is with us wants only one thing, to give us love. One of the first steps to remaining and abiding and depending on on the love of Jesus is actually to, to slow down, to be still, I think that's when we will start to experience more of of Jesus' love for us, the joy that he wants to give us. When we do that, when we slow down, when we be still, we give Jesus the chance to communicate that love to uh, to us. We give him a chance to to give us the joy that he wants to give. So attribute number one that uh, God's love is a tangible love. It's also an enduring love. It's this persistent love that produces the joy of Jesus in our lives. And the last attribute I want to share this morning is that the gift of God's love is a generous love. It's a generous love. In Jesus, we receive a love from God that is extravagant. It's, it's, it's a gift that's given to us freely and abundantly. And this gift receive, that we receive is also actually meant to be generously given away. Away to others in our lives. In verses 12 and 13, Jesus says this, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus doesn't doesn't just say, Love one another, which is already difficult, by the way. He raises the bar and sets a pattern of love that looks more like God's love when he says, Loved each other as I have loved you. If we see Jesus' love, we have to notice that there's no stinginess about it. He's not withholding in his love. In fact, he's, he's almost wasteful, right? Because so much of his love goes unappreciated, un, unnoticed, and even rejected. This love, you know, again, it's, it's so amazing because of who Jesus is In comparison to who his disciples are, for a rabbi to call his, you know, apprentices, his disciples, friends, Jesus is is opening this door to this mutual love that includes his disciples into his inner circle. You know, that at the time would be unheard of. There was a difference of status between uh, rabbis and their, their disciples. And then we have to stop and realize that Jesus is not some ordinary rabbi. He is the one and only Son of God, the promised Messiah, the anointed King of imaginable honor and glory and prestige. Nothing about us deserves being brought into Jesus' inner circle. There's nothing. And yet, he doesn't just give some of his love to us. He gives his, the best love that he knows, which is the love that he, he receives from God from his heavenly father in talking about god's love theologian howard thurman he writes this behold the miracle love has no awareness of merit or demerit it has no scale by which its portion may be weighed or measured it does not seek to balance giving and receiving love loves this is its nature a lot of the love that we experience, a lot, of, a lot of the love we see in this world is the opposite of this, right? Even for ourselves, we, we calculate this person deserves my love, that person doesn't. I've done this well, I've done this poorly, therefore I, you know, I deserve love here, I don't deserve love there. But God's love simply loves, it's the, it's, it's the nature. Of God's love. All of the gifts of Advent, joy, peace, hope, and love are gifts given by God, intended for us to receive and benefit, of course, but they are also meant to be given away to others in in the pattern set by Jesus. Specifically, we are called to love others in the way that we have been loved by Christ in tangible, enduring, and generous ways. Um, I know Thanksgiving feels like ages ago. It's only been a month, but one of my favorite Thanksgiving stories, which some of you might have heard about, is um, about Jamal Hinton and Wanda Dench. I've shared this story uh, way back. um, But six years ago, Jamal Hinton, he received a text message with an invitation to Thanksgiving dinner. The problem was that it wasn't anybody he knew. It was an unknown number. Uh, so Jamal, uh, he, he was a teenager at the time. He asked for a picture. Like, he, he's like, who is this? Can I get a picture? And, and Wanda was the one who sent this text. And she's, she's a grandmother trying to reach out to her grandchildren, inviting them to Thanksgiving dinner. She sends him a selfie while she's at work. And then he sends a selfie back saying, you're not my grandma. Can I still have a plate, though? Wanda then opened up her home to a complete stranger. She texted back, of course you can. That's what grandmas do, feed everyone. And last month, they celebrated their sixth consecutive Thanksgiving together. Um, uh, This past year, it was without Wanda's husband, Lonnie, who passed away in April 2020 after battling COVID-19. But there was an addition of Jamal's girlfriend, Michaela, Uh, Earlier this month, Netflix actually announced that they're producing a movie based on this interaction and based on their friendship. And I love this story because it reminds me so much of God's love. Jamal was this random teenager who had no claim to a seat at, at Wanda's Thanksgiving family table. But Wanda extended the invitation because... That's what grandmas do. I love that she wrote that. The gift of God's love through Jesus is a love that includes others into his inner circle. And we had no claim to a seat at God's family table. But this invitation is extended to us through Christ. He comes because that's what God does. This uh, simple act of an invitation to Wanda's family meal produced this lasting relationship so meaningful that Jamal shares his career aspirations, his life dreams with, with her, and considers Wanda as another grandmother to him. And likewise, because of the generosity of Jesus, we are able to enter into a lasting relationship, an everlasting and life transformation, transforming relationship with God, a relationship so meaningful to us that we would live for Him and even be willing to show the same love that we receive to others in our lives. In his book, uh, Pete Cazzero, um, uh, in his book Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, Pete Gazzero says that love is the measure of maturity for the followers of Jesus. Love is the measure of maturity. And he writes this, God knew uh, we needed more than words or intellectual assurance that he is everywhere and that he loves us. He knew that we needed a God who has some skin. So he sent us Jesus. Today, God still comes to us in physical form. How? Through his body, the church in whom he dwells. We are called to be God with skin on for the people around us. That is part of what it means to live out an incarnational faith. But people who actually practice being God with skin on are much more difficult to find. Why? Because living an incarnational faith requires a particular type of death to self. Loving like Jesus is not easy. Being generous like Jesus is not easy. We, we are very aware of that. Because a generous love means that we have to die to always getting our preferences, dying to our pride, dying to what makes sense to us, and dying to our comfort and convenience. And I had a pastor, you know, um, back in the day who would say, how do you know if you're being generous? It's when it starts to hurt a little bit. That means it's costing you something. That's when you're truly generous. If being generous doesn't have a cost to you, is that really generosity? Is that being lavish towards another person? Because what we see in Jesus is that it, it costed him everything. Showing this generous love of Jesus is not easy, but it's the love that can transform lives and if love is the measure of maturity in Christ, as we begin, you know, another calendar year in less than a week, a good, worthwhile New Year's resolution might be finding a way to make Jesus' love more tangible and enduring and generous in our lives to others around us. Uh, to close, I want to share uh, one more quote, uh, and it's from um, pastor or professor and author Esau Macaulay. He writes this. It's an exceedingly strange and seemingly ridiculous plan. In a world drunk with a desire for power and filled with those who take what they want by force, the miracle of Christmas is one of weakness, not strength. It's a suggestion that divine love is more powerful than we think. It's exceedingly strange. It's seemingly ridiculous for God to send his son as a vulnerable infant to this world, where people were hunting for his life, to begin this mission of transforming the world through his love. It's exceedingly strange and seemingly ridiculous that Jesus lived 30 years of relative anonymity to have, in our terms, only a three-year career and just be falsely accused, rejected by his own people, and wrongfully convicted, and then publicly executed by the government. But this is how God expresses his love. It looks like weakness. The world thinks Christian love looks like weakness, but it is strength. It appears foolish, but it is wise. Those who have experienced firsthand the, jo- the joy, the peace, the hope, the love of God through Jesus, we know by looking at Jesus that the- his love is strength and glory. And then it's even more exceedingly strange and seemingly ridiculous that that plan gets handed to us. That the mission of God's redemption of the world is handed to imperfect disciples like you and me to go love one another, to go love the world with this precious gift of God's love. And we do it imperfectly, for sure. But when we persist in it, when we seek further ways to make it tangible, enduring, and generous, that's when we're going to see God work. The best gifts are the ones that remind us of the giver. The best gifts are the ones that can be enjoyed long after they have been given. The question for us this morning, especially the day after Christmas, is we've received love, joy, peace, and hope through Jesus' first coming. But when we offer those things to others, do they see the giver? Do they enjoy the joy, peace, hope, and love more because they've encountered God's love in us? And even as we wrestle with so much suffering and fear and brokenness right now, when we realize who Jesus is, what he offers to us in these gifts, and that these gifts are meant to be given away, and especially God's love. Advent and Christmas are not just dates on a calendar. They represent truths and promises that we can enjoy each and every day of our lives. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we want to come before you and... Thank you for your love. We thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You don't love us a little. You don't love us part of the way. You love us extravagantly, and you love us to the point of sending your son. You love us to the point of him dying on the cross for us. You love us to the point of sending the Holy Spirit to help us In our time of need even if it's right now uh, in our lives we pray that when we receive these gifts that come through Jesus joy peace hope and love that we wouldn't be hoarders of them but we would find ways to share them with others and that's when we're going to experience more of these gifts in our lives when we see these gifts being multiplied around us so for your namesake for your glory for the good of the world Help us, help my sisters and brothers here to be people who are gift givers beyond this Christmas weekend, that they would be people who give God's joy, peace, hope, and love to as many people as possible. And we need your help. We need your strength. We need your reminders. So Holy Spirit, strengthen us today and each day going forward. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.